Welcome to the Classic City Sports Podcast. And McAllister down the left field line! If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you are in the right place. Then you are in the right place. It's third down, Bryce Young's career. You need 10, play clock at four. From the pocket, launching downfield, underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. Hosted by Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams. Georgia on the mountaintop. Demons be gone and the drought is over. National champions at long last. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to. All right, welcome back to another episode of Classic City Sports. As always, Jeremiah Stoddard, along with my buddy Jonathan Williams, have a action-packed, as always, episode for you, right? But this time, we really, really mean it because there's a ton of stuff going on in Athens or around this Georgia football program right now. First of all, that's something that just came out today, a few minutes ago, about, what, an hour ago now? Yeah, about Um, an hour ago. About an hour, just over an hour ago, Stetson Bennett is heading to New York as a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. He is one of the four players uh, that are finalists for that. So we are going to talk about that as well uh, as we get into some stuff. But obviously, we got to talk about LSU and Georgia in the SEC Championship game. Georgia finishes off their season, including an SEC Championship at 13-0. and So that's extremely exciting, as Georgia fans should be very, very happy with what we've seen over the past two seasons for obvious reasons, right? And then we'll get in a little bit. We're not going to get too far into this, but we will get a little bit into Georgia versus Ohio State. Some news yeah. came out can't of get that into as it well. Because we, it's four There's a weeks. Ton. Yeah, we have four weeks until that game is played, so we can't push out all. A little the bit at now. a time, guys. Yeah. We got small we got a month you. of content to give you about that game in general. Mm-hmm. And after this week, we will focus. But more there are on things that. to already talk about it right now. But we'll take care of some business already. If you are here right now, go ahead and like the video for us. Subscribe if you haven't already. We'll just go ahead and get all this stuff out for you guys right now. We got all the Twitter handles right there. Go follow us on there. Like. To, Today we provided a show update this morning, let you letting you guys know that we were going live today because we typically go on Wednesdays, but we're here on Monday. We're here to get you guys this playoff content, Heisman content, all of this stuff early in the week so you don't have to wait. So that's what we're here to do. So go ahead and support us if you haven't already. Keep hitting that thumbs up button like you guys always do for us. And now we can get into these conversations that we have to get into. And the first one has to be Stetson Bennett and the yeah, Heisman. Absolutely. Especially because me and you talked about this pretty frequently this season, not to toot our own horns or anything like that. But we did mention several times that there's a legitimate case for Stetson Bennett to be a Heisman finalist at the end of the season. We said it week one in the Oregon game. Like if this is the productivity that he's going to continue to go through um, like he did in week one, then yeah, this man's going to be in New York. And then he, despite what his performances were like against Kentucky and against like Georgia Tech late in the season, 
He puts up four touchdowns, sets a new record for the SEC championship game in the first half. I believe it was Mac Jones's record that he broke for the SEC yeah. championship game. Set a new record there, lit it on fire. Had the best performance of anybody in championship weekend because Caleb Williams flopped against Utah. And then Max Duggan, he put on a strong performance against Utah, but or not against Utah, but against Kansas State. But Still didn't outperform Setson. Stetson had the best one. And then, of course, C.J. Stroud didn't play. He was not in the Big Ten Championship, so he didn't even get to have a performance. So Stetson Oof. Bennett, that late surge, that SEC Championship game has to be what have gotten him into a finalist. And then if you looked at the odds this weekend, right after Championship weekend, Stetson Bennett leaped all the way into the top three. He's a he's the third favorite to win the Heisman right now, only behind Max Duggan. And then Caleb Williams remains the favorite. But, man, just the fact that he has a seat started is remarkable. It is remarkable, and I wanted to break something down. These are some some stats started popping up um, over the past couple of days. Like you said, all of this really started to flow in after the SEC yep. championship game. Everyone starts going, "Hey, wait a minute! This is the dude's performing right." I mean, he's got thir- or thirty four hundred, just over thirty four hundred yards yep. passing on the season, um, which is five hundred yards more than he had last year already. Yep. And he did that over fourteen games. He didn't play the first game last year, but over fourteen games last year. Um, so he's over that by a large margin, you added his rushing production and everything like that as well. And he's darn near, he's getting real close to 4,000 yards of total offense. He's got two more games as long as Georgia makes it to the national championship game. If they get past Ohio State on there, very, very likely that with the way he's performed, he will then be the single season record holder for most passing yards in single, single season breaking Aaron, Aaron Murray's record. The reason I wanted to talk about um, some of his performances Overall, so he's had those games, right? Like he didn't he didn't throw much against Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. He didn't throw much against Kentucky. He didn't have the best game against Mississippi State. Uh, he had a no. Uh, he actually threw right around his season average in that game. That was an average game, right there he at his average. He just had the interceptions. He just had the interceptions. Well, I got some stats to read off for you about the the Heisman hopefuls, right? A couple of them on this list, real quick. Stetson Bennett has a thirteen and zero record, five and five in top 25 matchups this season. He's played in five games against teams that were ranked, that are currently, not just when they played them, that are currently ranked in the top 25 after the season is over. Five and five in those games, 73.1% completion percentage, and he threw for 1,472 yards and had 17 total touchdowns and two interceptions with a QBR of 185. And both of those interceptions came against Mississippi State. Both of those came against Mississippi State. And he leads all Heisman candidates in all of those. Except one thing. The only thing he does not lead against those Heisman candidates is this one stat. Like, I'll go ahead and read. The only guy that comes close to him in, in the Heisman candidacy is Caleb Williams. 11-2 and two total record. 3-5 and five against top 25 games. So he lost two of those games. Both, both to, Utah. to Utah. Both to Utah. Uh, 64.7% or completion percentage. 1,626 yards. That's the only one he's got, Stetson, in is the total yardage. Because even in total touchdowns, he only had 16, and they, he also had two interceptions. Yeah. Everybody else that's in contention, Max Duggan and C.J. Stroud, numbers aren't even close. Not even, not even remotely close in any of those categories. So the only, only guy right now that should have a legit argument to beat him out for the Heisman it's Caleb Williams. And I think that's probably ultimately it's who's probably going what's gonna to happen. win the award. Caleb Williams probably will just because he did put up 
amazing numbers while out there in Lincoln Riley's offense. You know, I know that they didn't win their conference championship. They didn't make the playoff and yada, yada, yada. But, man, he did light it up over there. But, you know, also another thing that I pointed out, and I put together an article on Sunday, I believe it was, and I basically said, like, here's here's the final case for Stetson Bennett to win the Heisman. I'll go ahead and pull it up for you. And I was interested to see, like, how does the Heisman committee – define like how do they define who should win the Heisman what is their specific criteria that they're always looking for and for someone that should win the award what do they base it off all of that stuff and if you go and look at their mission statement it there's three adjectives that they provide that they're that defines the winner of the Heisman first off it's always going to be the person that is the most outstanding football player in all of college football but listen to this it says the trophy is annually awarded to the outstanding football player in the United States whose performance epitomizes great ability combined with diligence, perseverance, and hard work. There's not a single person in college football who who embodies those three adjectives more than Stetson Bennett. So if you're going off of the Heisman treasury or whatever, their, their definition of what a Heisman trophy winner is supposed to be, there's not a better candidate than Stetson Bennett in my opinion. No, there really isn't. And like the reason I read those stats off that I did a second ago is honestly, it's for a lot of Georgia fans out there that have seen, you know, and especially like rival fan bases and stuff have said they're talked about stats and they always look at those games like Georgia Tech. They look at those games like Kentucky. Well, here's the thing that's very important about that. That is against top 25 opponents. Like I said a second ago, that is against the best teams in the country, like in general, not like they obviously it wasn't against the Michigan, the, the Ohio State, that but you get my point. The top 25 ranked teams out there in those games, he's performing at an extremely high level. In those games, Kirby and Todd Munkin draw up game plans where he throws the crap out of the ball. Yeah. I mean, he does. In those games, he throws the crap out of the ball. I mean, that's been Georgia's MO <clears throat> all season long. When when they need to show up, when they need big plays made, when they need to absolutely drill someone into the ground and prove a point. They've done it every single year. They did it against Oregon in the season opener. They did it against Tennessee halfway through the season when Tennessee was the number one ranked team in the nation. They did it in the SEC championship game against LSU. Anytime that that team needed to show up, I mean, heck, they're averaging 49.5 points in the in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium because they <laughs> hung 49 on Oregon and they hung 50 on, on LSU in the SEC championship game. Two instances where yeah. Georgia absolutely needed their best ball game in order to secure a division title or an SEC championship, and then also get rolling um, against the number one, against the number one ten team in the nation. That's what Georgia's done all season long. Not saying <coughs> that they played down to their opponents; they have a little bit this year. But man, when that team needs they to game get up, plan different, they do. That's yes, they it, game plan a, differently. It's a, and my point is, plan. when that team needs to get up for a game, they're absolutely going to. And that should be a scary thought as you now get into the college football playoff and there's two games away. You're one you're one win away from being back in the national championship and you go up against Ohio State. That's that's a scary thought knowing that this team has played their best football when the lights shine their brightest. Absolutely. And, and still focusing on Stetson Bennett. And in this game against LSU, right, Georgia came out there just – Lighten him up. I mean, they did. Stetson Bennett, like you said, he had those four touchdowns in the first half. The dude also threw for 214 yards, I believe, in the first half. Yes. And he only threw the ball five, maybe six times in the second half. So, like, the number, the production he could have had would have been astronomical if they kept that game plan going mm-hmm. that had in the first half. But what changed is, guess what? What we told you last week, when we sat down right here last week, I, I told you this, and, and Jonathan jumped on board as well, was teams that beat LSU – this year, run the crap out of the football. Mm-hmm. Two of those team, two of the three losses 
they had a guy like a team go for two sixty and then two seventy. Georgia went for what two fifty something? Yeah, something around that mark. So they said, "Hey, in the second half, guess what? We know what we can do. We're going to run the hell out of the football, and we're going to take the air out of." What did Kirby say? In the uh, Brooks asked him the question about that long drive, the eight play ninety five yard drive took about eight minutes. He asked him about it, and he said, "Well, you know what the game plan was? The game plan coming out was just shove it down their throat." That's what they did in the second half. Guess what? They were still scoring because they were running the crap out of the football very successfully. And even Kendall Milton was absolutely lighting it up. Them, you strike them. <laughs> and if you do that, man, you'll break their will. I can just hear it. I, I get, that, that's always been George's. Like, he wanted to shove it down their that's throat. That's what he said around. in his post game. Shove it down their throat, man. I mean, that, and that's what he did. So my point being, he goes, hey, we know what's work, what can work against this team. And at this point in the second half, what we need to do is we need to run the clock out and move the ball still successfully. And we know we can do that on the ground. So they changed their game plan completely in the second half from what they had done in the first half. And it absolutely worked. Absolutely just – that shows Georgia can – like this was a point of conversation uh, between us and uh, on social media. There was some stuff we saw this past week talking about you know Georgia wanting – we talked about this last week, did we not, where I said – Georgia fans seem to want Georgia to win a very specific mm-hmm. way. Said this last week. Georgia fans want them to win a very specific way. At this point in time, it does not matter how you win. You just need to win. We are now at you win two more games and you're hoisting up back-to-back national champions or championship trophies. That's where you're at. And after this game, a lot of Georgia fans are very upset with the fact that Georgia gave up 30 points. I understand the frustration because you're going, oh, crap, now we got to play Ohio State. We, we had the team throw for 500 yards on us this past week. Mm-hmm. We got to play against Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, and, and we know how that's going to go uh, as far as they, they like to air it out. They're going to give it to you. Well, guess what? You've also played against Tennessee, who's known for that. Lock them down. I understand it did start to rain in that game, and that would have changed a little bit of the, oh, the way it went. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. But though. in that first half of that game and in the third quarter before that even started, they couldn't do anything. So my point being, Kirby Smart can game plan successfully against that type of team. One big question that should have been answered for a lot. What people need to look at with that SEC championship game was, guess what? Everyone asked, can Georgia win in a shootout? Georgia put, they gave up 30 points and they scored 50. Look, at this point. They scored 50 points. That's the most, they've they've scored 50 one other time this year. Have they? I think they scored 55 at one point this year. Um, Oh, uh, it was. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. They scored 55 against Vanderbilt. But look, I mean, look, fans were unhappy when Georgia was winning by 10 points against Kentucky, and then fans are going to be unhappy when you're win- when you win 50 to 30. Like there's you're not going to please anybody unless you get a 50 Doesn't to nothing now. shutout. Like the only yep. time the only time all fans were happy with a win is when Georgia beat down Oregon 49 to 7. Like that's what you have to do in order to get everybody happy with the result. But again, who gives a crap? Who, who cares? You're the number one seed in the college football playoff, and like you said, you're you're two wins away from claiming another national title. So I don't care if you win the next game two to nothing. That's another win that gets you it. The no longer title. matters. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I understand like throughout some of the season, like with the way the college football is right now, um, you gotta you you can't look like a bad team because that could when it comes down to like final voting stuff of, as far as putting people in the playoffs, it can matter. But you know when it doesn't matter. When you go twelve and zero, and then you go thirteen and zero, and it no longer becomes a question mark for whether or not you're going to make the playoffs. It doesn't matter how many struggle games you had. If you went undefeated, 
and you play in the SEC, you win the SEC championship game, even if you lost the SEC championship game, we were in. Georgia was in the playoffs, even if they lost. How you know that for sure? TCU gets in after losing to Kansas State, and they lost in overtime. But not only did they get in, they remained the number three seed in that. And that shows you that the, the playoff committee put some you know, emphasis on being in your conference championship game. And that, that said that those top three teams were in no matter what happened. Michigan could have lost to I Purdue. Mean, yeah. They weren't going to lose after to Purdue, US, but they could have. After the USC loss, you pretty much already knew your Final Four. At that point, yeah, it was did. just a matter of who's going to be Well, where. as soon as that happened, the first thing I did was tweet out Georgia versus Ohio yeah, State in the Peach It was pretty obvious what was, good, what was about to happen. All the, yeah, so – but I think also kind of talking about Georgia giving up a bunch of passing yards against LSU. Georgia Brooks Austin just released a film breakdown of this, actually talking about the secondary, specifically highlighting Keely Ringo because there's a lot of talk about people saying Keely Ringo was getting beat, Keely Ringo is not playing up to a standard, yada yada yada. And Brooks does a great job, as always, of showing you in the film of Keely Ringo really didn't have that bad of a game. It was just kind of Georgia's approach to the game. It made him look bad in certain scenarios where it really wasn't his responsibility. He was still doing his job. It's just when you're looking at the TV copy and you're watching it live, it just looks that way that five is getting burnt and he's the one that he's the victim of LSU giving up all these yards. So go check that out. It's a great, it really kind of opens your mind up and makes you sit back and like, okay, maybe things aren't as bad as I thought. And also in the first half, he shows Georgia played a lot of zone. And Georgia is never a team that plays a whole lot of zone. We, they did it last year in the SEC championship game, and it didn't fare too well for them. They it didn't switched go that well. big time when switched they played it back again. up for the playoffs. And what do you know? You get to a national championship, and you beat them in the rematch. So dominated them in the rematch. Georgia's, it's, Georgia's not prone to do that type of thing, and I don't think they're going to do that against Ohio State. I think they'll line it up straight up and say, our guys against your guys. It's what they did against Tennessee. A lot of people thought – there's no way Georgia yeah. can hang in there man to man against Tennessee against guys like because of their receivers, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric exactly. Tillman, and stuff like that. But yet they did. They matched up really well. And now with Ohio State, which we'll get into here a little bit later, but Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's not playing. He he is declaring for the draft already. He's de- he's dealt with a hamstring injury all season long. He's not going to play. So now you got Marvin Harrison Jr. That's the big guy you got to look out for. I think Georgia's going to be fine in regards to that. I don't think Georgia's going to be this heavy zone coverage team because that's not that's never been what they were with Kirby Smart at the helm. So, again, like, yeah, you gave up a record number of passing yards, which, yeah, that's not exactly – that's not ideal. It's not a good thing to leave off of. It kind of leads a bad taste in your mouth. But on the plus side, on the plus side, the fact that you did that in the SEC championship game – for the next four weeks, that's what those players have to hear. And that just provides Oh, and Kirby extra, was not happy about it. And that's just extra motivation. That's just what Kirby gets to beat. He beats the drum right there. That's what he gets to say for the next four weeks. It's like, y'all are but- – He like, got his own bulletin board material that he needed from yeah. his own team's performance. So while Kirby was pissed, all he needed. deep down he's probably grinning on the inside like, oh, buddy. I get to light I, a fire under them. Exactly. Because of that. I get so, to sit there and go in that defensive back room, which is probably the – absolute hardest position to play at UGA because of who your coaches are, because you have Kirby Smart, because you have Will Muschamp, and those guys are absolutely going to light you up in that in that room the, for the next four weeks saying, yeah. what the crap was that? Whether or not it was by design, like we talked about, we played zone defense, and that's not exactly a good strategy for Georgia overall as far as locking the team down, but it does, it, it kind of keeps things underneath for the most part. They had a couple big plays against you, but you're trying, the goal is to keep things underneath and try to keep those explosives from happening. Well, then some people might have had a couple of mishaps. Like, you know, Malachi Starks had two plays where he kind of misjudged the ball, essentially. Yeah. And and that led to big plays. So that kind of stuff happens, and that's just a player 
that you, you can coach that and stuff like that, that the scheme itself was still going to let them eat at you yardage wise. You're just hoping they take a bunch of time off and they don't have time to come back in that game or do anything too much because they ate their own clock away and they needed time in that game. So I think that's something that you won't see in a game uh, that's win or go home. I think that in a game that's win or go home, like you were saying a second ago against Ohio State and whoever you know would be a potential matchup in the national championship game, you're going to see Georgia line up and play the type of defense they do to lock teams down when they need to. I think that's exactly what you'll get out of Georgia. Um, and yeah, Ohio State is, and I saw this. This is, I think this is a fair comment. Um, I think this is the harder matchup that Georgia could have gotten in in the the playoffs, right? TCU, I think, would have been an easy enough game for Georgia. Yeah. Even Michigan beat Ohio State by 22. Georgia does match up a lot better against a team like Michigan. We saw how they played them last year. They do match very well up against a team like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, Georgia being you know the only other person they could have played is Ohio State now. Um, even USC would have been probably an easier matchup for Georgia. Charmin soft out there in California. I, I, I just don't but think they would have been able to keep up with the physicality. I really, they, they do brutal. air the ball out a lot. Obviously, we talked about Caleb Williams being potentially the Heisman winner. In my opinion, I think that's probably Those the way it's going to go. Those boys out there in Cali couldn't tackle a traffic cone, dude. They were struggling. I, they agreed that was bad. I mean, they the were struggling. Half, that was rough to watch. Can you imagine but, Brock Bowers out there? Just he would. Brock yeah, Bowers would have had a two hundred yard day. Stats about how the he would Trojans have had a two hundred yard day. How the Trojans have defended against tight ends. It was like. 128th, 128th, 131st, Lord. Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers would have been grinning ear to ear. So I mean, Brock would have walked away with 200 yards. Ohio State probably matches up the best against the top four teams. But also, like, you, one, you get them in Atlanta. That's something we've always talked about. You, like, you it's have, your backyard. You basically get home field yeah, advantage. It's your backyard. It is in your own backyard. How, how many points has Georgia scored? 49 and a half. That's what they're averaging right Thank now. Thank you. Just, 49 just and a half points. Just wanted to make you say stadium. that again. Yeah. 49 and a half, I'll say the third time, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So you get that going for you. And, like, Michigan went into Columbus, went into the horseshoe, and defeated Ohio State. And, like, ask yourself this question. Is Georgia's roster better than Michigan's? Yeah, I would say by a pretty large margin. We we saw that last year. I think Michigan's team last year is probably better than they were this year, in my opinion, when you add in Agent Hutchinson and some of those guys that they lost to the NFL. The defense was better, yeah. For sure. So, I like – I, I just think when you break it down simply like that, now I get it. CJ, like, the only thing that should kind of make you worry a little bit about Ohio State is the fact that they have CJ Stroud. And if a good quarterback gets going against you, it's really hard to beat them. No matter how good your defense is, no matter how tight your coverage is, you got good defense, but sometimes there's just better offense. And better offense is always going to win those battles. So if CJ Stroud gets going, then yeah, that's a problem and it could be an issue for you. But Georgia's played really, really well against some really good quarterbacks this season. They've really done a good job at containing them and maintaining them. And it's all going to be dependent upon Georgia's pass rush. Can you get up in C.J. Stroud's face? Because C.J. Stroud, unlike past Ohio State quarterbacks, he's not the most mobile quarterback. So he's kind of stationary. He's going to be on one platform, likes to sit in the pocket a good bit. So if Georgia's pass rush, pass rush can win consistently against Ohio State, then I don't think it's really going to be that big of an issue. But definitely, I mean, like I said before, though, with all of this being said, I do think that Ohio State probably matches up the best against Georgia. I think that's true. And the kind of I'm trying to pull something real quick to make sure I have the right information for a second here. Um, so if I were to ask you, if you look at C.J. Stroud and, and Stetson Bennett, statistically, who's, who should have the most passing yards? Well, I mean. You know I, who I, should have the most passing yeah. yards, right? The mo- who should you? I'm, I'm you asking, asking you. This, it's kind of rhetorical. Yeah, kind of rhetorical because okay. you know the answer. And oh, shut up. Go ahead. Yeah, 
you would you would think it's CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud actually has about a hundred yards less than Stetson Bennett passing on the season. Stetson's thrown a few more times there. The big difference is CJ Stroud has 37 touchdowns compared to Stetson Bennett's 20. That's passing touchdowns. The difference also it kind of brings that gap a little How bit many closer. How more attempts does Stroud have? Uh, no, he doesn't have more attempts. Actually, he doesn't have more attempts. No, actually, Stetson's thrown the ball 45 or 40 times more. Surprisingly, right? Oh. Stetson's thrown the ball a little bit more, so that that 40 attempts probably accounts for some of that yardage um, as well. And and that's fine though. But that's something once again that you wouldn't expect if you just blindly saw the stat line and go, all right, well, who would have more passing yards? Well, probably CJ Stroud out in Ohio State, right? It's not. But the difference is the touchdown margin. Like I said, he has 17 more passing touchdowns. But Stetson has seven rushing touchdowns to add to that, whereas C.J. Stroud does not have any. And like you said a second ago, C.J. Stroud is not a mobile quarterback. He only has about 75 yards rushing on the season. He does not scramble. He does not make a bunch of extra plays with his legs. That is something that Georgia has had so to worry about me, in those games where they're throwing the hell out of the ball. So this is what I'm hearing, Stoddard, is that Georgia has a, is going going against a quarterback that's going to sit in the pocket. They don't have to contain him. They don't have to worry about him scrambling. They just get to tee it up down on the defense line and get after him. Guys like Jalen Carter just get to push after him. And you get your defensive line absolutely just pin their ears back and go exactly. because you don't have to worry about him getting outside. The other thing that is you can send – some outside linebackers and blitz those guys if you want to. And your your middle linebackers can really sit back in a zone coverage over that middle and kind of lock down that middle of the field because they don't they have to worry. Tennessee, man. They don't have to worry about containing. Well, even with Tennessee, with Hendon Hooker, you did have to worry about him getting outside. They don't have to worry about that. Like you said, they can actually sit back comfortably and say, let our front guys take care of it, and we're going to sit right here in the middle, and we can play man on the outside with our and, and our DBs can really just lock in on that. I mean, that to me – is a great matchup for Georgia right there overall. But yes, I, I do stand by, like, I think that Ohio State is probably the better or more difficult matchup for Georgia going into this game. Plus, I mean, think but that it. doesn't mean you, you're in a bad spot. Georgia's favored by six and a half right now. Plus, think about it this way, too. That's four weeks that Kirby Smart and them get to dive into this film, really analyze Ohio State's offense, find different ways that they can stop them. They have a game on film that they can watch of a team beating Ohio State. And I mean, you, you get. Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Glenn Schumann, all those guys dissecting film for the next four weeks and preparing those guys to stop that offense. Whereas Ohio State, what the heck? What are you watching? Like, what are you going to do? You're going to watch last year's game against Alabama? Is that what the type of film you're going to watch? Are you going to watch this year's Missouri game? Is that what you're like? Georgia doesn't have anything on film. Like, sure, you might find small bits and pieces where you can maybe expose Georgia a little bit. But overall, they really haven't shown that much weakness this year. So on the flip side, too, like, they're like, I think you, Especially when you go head to head with coaches like Kirby Smart in this type of moment versus Ryan Day, who do you have? Who do you think is going to have a better game plan coming into come into that one? You're probably going to lean Kirby Smart's way as well. Kirby Smart has shown everybody that he can game plan for the big games. That's kind of that that same stat where Georgia has. I keep going back to this because it's so relevant. I feel like in this conversation, five top twenty five ranked opponents and has beat the crap out of pretty much all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely beat the crap out of the only ones that they didn't. I mean, Mississippi State was a closer game. South Carolina was a blowout. Oregon was a blowout. LSU, we just saw us win by 20. Um, and I'm blanking on the other one for a second here. There's one more team in there. I'm, I'm blanking on the fifth top 25. South, it's got South Carolina, Oregon, Mississippi State. 
Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. Thank you. They're the irrelevant now. <laughs> <laughs> irrelevant now. So, you know, they get to sit at home Plus, and watch it all. Else, those, but like, those are a lot of good offenses that you just listed as well. Like Oregon had a really the good The only close this year. game of that was Mississippi State, though. Yeah. And you know, like Oregon had a really good offense this year. Tennessee had a really good offense this year. Mississippi State had a good offense um, underneath Mike Leach and Will Rogers over there. LSU obviously had a pretty solid offense as well. Yet you still are the. You you got bumped down to number two after SEC championship week, and Illinois is now back in, in first place for scoring defense. But still, technically, you you were the number one scoring defense this season. Twelve games, you were the number one scoring defense, despite all of those offenses that you had to go up against. You limited them to ten point two eight points per game. I mean, <laughs> hey, that's really good. Yeah, and I think right now it's at like twelve and some change yeah. after after this past game that we just had against LSU, where they did score the most that anybody has scored against Georgia all season long. Um, but point being, Georgia's in a really good spot going into this game against Ohio State. Uh, I think Georgia I, – I also want to go back to this comment. Where did it go? I saw it a second ago. Um, this one right here. This is true. How how sweet of a victory is that going to be? And if that's how the fans feel, you have to think that that's probably how the players feel as well. I mean, absolutely how sweet of a victory it would be to beat Ohio State. They have talked so much about Georgia all season long. That's a media love child. So much. That's where Heisman quarterbacks come to play. They're always in the Heisman conversation. Everybody, The media loves them, some Ohio State, because of the offense that they run. They put up a bunch of points, yada, 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 whatever. So if that's how the fans feel, imagine how the players feel as well. And just as badly as fans want to go back-to-back, that's how the players. That's how bad the players want as well. And also there's another comment that – Dr. Senior dropped it above about Kendall Milton being 100% now. That's another big thing. You know, four weeks from now, Adonai Mitchell, I mean, that's got to be 100% at that point. He has to be healthy. You get him back. That's so huge. That's that's healing. Y'all don't understand how entire, big of a deal it like, is going to be to have AD Mitchell Lad back. McConkey went down in the SEC championship game. He gets those four weeks kind of rehab. I know that he's been dealing with it throughout the season as well was reported. But still, that's four weeks that he kind of gets to rehab his injury a little bit. So this team is going to get healthy just like they did last year. George Pickens around this time was getting healthy, and he was able to come back and help Georgia in the college football playoff. And that was from an ACL tear. This is a high ankle sprain for Adonai Mitchell, and he was in the mix with LSU. He even threw a two-point conversion to Darnell Washington. He looked pretty good, got moving around in the pocket the a little bit. The last game he played was what, Samford? He, it was, he came in the game during Auburn, I believe, and then you didn't see him again until Georgia Tech when he was in for one yeah. play, and it technically didn't even count because they didn't snap the ball. But you saw him on the field against LSU, so you have to feel that by the time December 31st rolls around, he's going to be a full go. And now you got Adonai Mitchell back, and that's when Georgia was pretty much at their peak on offense is when Adonai Mitchell was in the mix as well. So that's got to be making you feel real good if you're a Georgia fan. And then – you still have your Heisman finalist quarterback. Your at Heisman finalist. Your Heisman finalist. Um, this is an important thing. We kind of skipped over a second ago that I want to circle back to real quick. He's the first guy to be a Heisman finalist mm-hmm. since Garrison Hurst. 1992. 1992. So we we're 30 years. 30 years. 30 years. And then obviously everybody knows Herschel won the Heisman in 1980. 82. He should 82? have won it in 1982. Okay. And then he won it in 1982. Okay. So, but the point being... That's that's the company that he's in as far as his production. Even Aaron Murray, as good as he was at Georgia, which this is still baffling a little bit, he wasn't a Heisman finalist. Yeah. As good as Aaron Murray was at Georgia, who is holds so many SEC records in, in you know in I general. I think that also just kind of speaks to the transition of the award though, because like you gotta think when Aaron Murray was quarterback with Georgia, like this was very much a running back award at the time. Like there was a lot of running backs in the mix. And a lot of really good ones, guys like Mark Ingram and those types of names because teams are running the ball so much. 
Now it's kind of shifted away from that, and it's just been a quarterback award. People pretty much claim it as it's just a quarterback award. You don't even hear defensive guys listed in the mix at all. Jordan Davis was an exception last year when he was kind of up there a little bit. People were kind of tossing his name around. And there was tossing – everybody was tossing, you know, Will Anderson. He was a finalist last year, was he not? He's probably been the most deserving defensive player to take home the award in recent memory. But, yeah, it is pretty much a quarterback. So maybe if Aaron Murray played in this era of college football, he probably would have been a Heisman finalist at some but point. But it is crazy to think that he wasn't. Is. I mean, the SEC's history-leading passing leader in passing yards was Total never touchdowns. And, and like the guy just holds so many records um, in the SEC, and it's just it's a beautiful thing to see Stetson be able to come out. I mean, even Aaron Murray himself came out and tweeted uh, either today or yesterday and said that uh, he said Stetson Bennett is the best quarterback to ever play at Georgia. And that might be up for some conversation with because everybody knows how good some of the guys have been. You know how good Aaron Murray was. But this is one thing that nobody should be is allowed to say anymore. Nobody say is allowed to say that he's not deserving of all of, you know, the the position or the being the starting quarterback for the past two years now or a year and a half overall. He's very deserving of it, clearly. Uh, you saw, you know, JT Daniels left and he ended up getting benched where he went at West Virginia. So that tells you what was going on in that room. And you've seen how well Setson's played in big games all season long for you. He's so de- deserving of it. Nobody should ever talk bad about Stetson Bennett anymore because once again, tell me the last person that was a Heisman finalist and you have to go back to 1992 and it was Garrison Hurst. I mean, I said at the beginning of the season, I believe it was right after the Oregon game, I said if Stetson Bennett even gets an invite to New York and Georgia's in the college ball playoff, he's the greatest quarterback of all time in Georgia history. So I'll stand by that statement and I'll side with Aaron Murray and I'll say Stetson Bennett is without a doubt the greatest quarterback to ever play at the University of Georgia. Hands down. I don't know. I don't think you can – it's hard to make an argument. Especially if he goes – I, I, I agree. And then if, especially – we talked about this several weeks ago where we actually said, is Stetson Bennett the GOAT? That was one of our episode titles, I believe. We went into this Look, whole I'll thing. I'll say he's the best quarterback in program history. He, ta- he, he wins back-to-back. He's the GOAT. I mean, you got to give it to him at that point. That's just – it's an opinion. <laughs> I get it. But like – At that point, if he does go back-to-back, there is no argument whatsoever. It's got to be. Everyone's going to try to – and you can't really say it's – the defense necessarily this year. You've seen some flaws. In the, they are really good. They're not like they were last year. Everybody tried to yeah. take that last year and said it was the defense not, the reason they were doing <laughs> There's so not well. eight draft picks on that defense this year. So now at least that will be drafted. No, and he does have some good weapons around him, but there are a lot of guys like Aaron Murray had some weapons around him at times as well. Sure. That play, People that played in the NFL at wide receiver, running back, like he had guys around him. So don't take that away from Stetson by saying he's got, you know, the best tight end in the country and stuff like that. Like, I, that's fine. He also has had a lack of wide receiver production this year because, once again, A.D. Mitchell's been hurt all year, and you really haven't had that guy at wide receiver. You've been focusing on on your tight end and stuff like that. Absolutely. But there are a lot of reasons to look at Stetson and say how good he is. Uh, one last thing I want to say as we get into – the the next discussion of, of King of the Hill here in a second. With Ohio State, we talked you mentioned this a second ago. Jackson Smith and Jigbu is sitting out he, he's sitting out the game and he's opted to go go ahead and declare for the draft. Now people do need to realize he hasn't played a game and he only got one catch in the last game he played on October twenty second. He's been hurt mm-hmm. for a very long time. Yeah, hamstring. Hamstring injury. So it it you it is an injury part related, but I saw somebody say something on on Twitter today that uh, did kind of it does kind of make you wonder a little bit of something on this. He's unless he's just really really bad right now. I'm talking like 
can barely walk. To make that announcement four weeks before the game, four weeks is a long time to rehab and to potentially get to where you could play. So I do think he is very he is injured, and I do think that his main decision behind opting out of it is the fact that he is injured. But it makes you wonder with that kind of decision. It is a playoff game. Your team's in the hunt for a national championship. And you make the decision four weeks before the game. I don't want to sound harsh when I say this by any means. I'm not hating on Jackson Smith and Jigba for his decision. You're entitled to that decision. If that's what you feel like is best for your future career and what you're trying to reach for, then absolutely do that. Make a business decision. Like we always say with those bowl opt-outs, if that's what you feel is best for you, then whatever, man. That, that Go do it. You have the right to that. But George Pickens last year was coming back from an ACL tear and very easily could have just said, I'm not going to go. I'm going to sit out this playoff run. I'm going to sit out the national championship, and I'm just going to focus on myself, and I'll leave the team be, and I'm going to prepare for the draft. But he didn't. He came back and fought for his guys. Jackson Smith and Jigba has a hamstring injury, and he has been dealing with it. And this was something George Pickens had been dealing with for a long time. Like back in the spring is when it happened. This happened in week two for Ohio State. And, yeah, for him to say that four weeks out from the game – I just think that speaks more than anything. It speaks to the different types of environment between Georgia and Ohio State. Because George Pickens last year was willing to go battle for his dudes, risk re-injuring himself, which would have tanked his draft stock. But he was willing to sacrifice that. And he was a dude that he, he honestly, honestly, he had nothing to gain by playing on it. Like honestly, no, he didn't. He no. he could not gain anything by playing in those games, and he didn't play a ton. He only made a couple of plays, and he was only out there for you know a limited number of snaps. Yeah. So he he didn't do anything to improve his draft stock, but he risked getting out there and and getting hurt because it was a it's a culture thing, like you said. It is definitely it talks it makes you think about that locker room and go back to a little bit further. Uh, we've had a few things. Um, Azizo Jalari, Peach Bowl against Cincinnati. He decided to play in that game. He ended up having a huge game in that game. No real reason he should have played in that game. No, and that's not even a playoff game. Not so, even a playoff right? game. Then I'm you go back you, again. When we speak about Georgia's culture, we talk about it a lot, about what Kirby Smart has instilled in every single one of these players, the fact that they buy into what he says. They actually believe what he says. They did a segment on it for College Game Day about the, like Stetson Bennett talking about it. All these players saying, like, when Coach Smart says something, you believe it, and you listen to him, and you listen to every single word that he talks about. And you take it in, and you everybody in that locker room fully believes in the in the words that he is speaking to them, and so that's a that's a tight culture. That is a brotherhood that they have put together in, at Georgia. And I'm not saying Ohio State has locker room issues or anything like that. No, but it, it just tells you the the connection there's, and the there's bond a difference. It, it there's just a because difference. you know you can see that Georgia has a like a high level of connection and, and community inside that locker room doesn't necessarily mean that the other place is bad. It just means there's a difference that you can visibly see. And the last example that I wanted to point out, because it popped up, and I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was the Sugar Bowl against Baylor. Wasn't it DeAndre Swift that was hurt? Oh, gosh. Yes, and he, tra- and he, 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 he traveled. Went. And he, he went out on the he went out on the field. He wasn't going to opt out of that, and he was hurting. I'm talking real hurt. Mm -hmm. And he still, he even got out there for a couple plays. I don't think he really did anything, but he did get out on the field. Richard in Cincinnati, man. Uh, He got put in for the very last play, but man, he got to go out there. But he he wanted to get out there with his boys. He suited up. So it's just a difference. It's a difference. And to make an announcement four weeks before the game, um, I I think 
it, it kind of says something. It definitely rubbed some people the wrong way. It, it definitely did. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know that he could have played anyways. I, you, you, time will tell, like, or you will never really know because he, he's not actually trying at this point. Um, but it, four weeks is a really long time to recover. Yeah. You have plenty of time to rehab in that, um, to at least try. Yeah, you know, like comment out, in there, try it, to play, man. If you're a, I, try to play. If you're a week out and at that point you're still not feeling good, we get it. And again, like – we're not hating on his decision or anything like that. No. He has every right to make that decision. And we're not in a position where we're about to make millions of dollars, and he is. So if that if we were in those shoes, maybe we would feel I mean, a little he's, bit he's different. He's looked at being but, a potential top 10 pick. I yeah, mean, he's exactly. he's a first-round draft so, pick. He is. And you you got to protect. I mean, I'm, we're big player supporters, right? That's what we've talked about so much on the show. We are for the players and wish nothing but the best for them. Um, and so, I mean, if he's making the decision he feels is best for him, like you said, he's up for millions of dollars. Yeah. He's got to make the decision that is best for him. That brings us to our next segment. I was just about to say is we'll get, we got to go ahead and get into King the Hill because that's a, this is also a topic you wanted to bring this up. Yeah. You brought up this the talking point for King the Hill. You said, I got something on my mind, Jay Will. I got to speak about it. I got to get this off my chest, and I got to let the people know about how I'm feeling about it. And it also has to do with people hating on players for making certain decisions and making essentially a business decision, what they feel is best for their future. And it has everything to do with the transfer portal and one specific player that I'll let you get into right now. All right. So there's one player that everybody at Georgia or every Georgia fan, you know, knows. Not every, we don't want to No, 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 hold on. I'm I'm saying every, I'm not saying it has an issue with, no, no, no. Because we, we are Georgia fans and I don't feel this way. So I wouldn't generalize on this. Shouts out to Tony. Pull that up. Bakersfield, California. Look at that. Yes, sir. We're happy to have you here, Tony. Indeed, SEC champions. Happy Monday, indeed, for the dogs. A lot of good stuff going on. I had to give him a shout-out, man. That's amazing. Bakerfield, California, supporting. We appreciate that. That's awesome. Um, A player that every Georgia fan knows the name of and remember it it being kind of a big deal for them to transfer. That's what I was getting at. Not saying they all feel a certain type of way because it is what it is for a lot of guys, but there are a select few of people out there that had an issue with it. Jermaine Burton going to Alabama. He was set to, you know, he had a pretty decent year last year at Georgia. And then all of a sudden him transferring kind of made everybody kind of raise an eyebrow. You're going, man, you, you had a decent spot here. Looking, especially, especially looking at this season and seeing how things played out, how much of a role he could have potentially played at Georgia this year. Because with A.D. Mitchell being out for the most part, he would have played a lot Hindsight, more. Hindsight, 2020 type thing. But in reality, he was losing snaps to Lad McConkie last year. Yeah. His his position as a slot guy was being taken away from him little by little with Lad McConkie. And he has played incredible. So Lad has earned what he's gotten in that spot. But I'm really, really tired of still seeing people talk about Jermaine Burton and his decision to go to Alabama and how it didn't work out for him. He did have more catches this year and a little and more touchdowns this year than he had at Georgia last year. So he did have a bump in production. Now, whether or not he could have had the same thing at Georgia this year is beside the point. The point is, if you are a Georgia fan and you are still looking at him or, or looking at like everything going on right now and you could be celebrating Georgia being where they are and you're still taking time out of your day to put a tweet up that says something along the lines of, Hey, glad to see that he made a transfer just so he can go play and not be in the playoffs again. And so he, he went to a different school to lose two games and not be in the playoffs. The fact that you're still focused on that as a Georgia fan with everything else going on, it it really says something, man. It, it, it rubs me the wrong way. I would love to have Jermaine Burton on the team this year, quite frankly. I think it would have helped us. 
wish nothing but the best for the kid at this point. He right. transferred out of your program because he felt like it was best for him. So leave him alone. He's not out here talking about Georgia. He's not like every game, every game this season. It was like, oh, he only had one catch for 17 yards today. Huh? Well, you know, it's the same conversation we have about with recruits. Like when high school recruits make a decision where like they decommit from Georgia or they don't choose Georgia or yada, like don't bad mouth the kid. Uh, He's making it's a big decision for him, a very, very big decision. One of the biggest decisions he'll probably ever make in his life. Don't bad mouth him for making that decision. That's like that's. Leave the kids alone. They're, they, they already have a lot going on in their life, and they don't need another troll on Twitter speaking nonsense to them on the social media. So it same goes like – and like at this point, who cares? Who cares? Exactly. Who cares that Jermaine Burton is at Alabama? He made that decision. Whether or not it was the right decision for him, I don't know. He would have to be the one to tell you if he feels it was the right decision. I feel like, yeah, it was kind of poorly timed, the fact that Georgia just beat them in the national championship and Jermaine Burton transfers there. But he knew what he was doing when he transferred there. He knew exactly what the type of decision that he was making when he decided to go to the Crimson Tide and transfer out of Georgia. But at this point, you're 13 weeks into the season. Who cares? Like, your team's in the college football playoff. You're fighting for another national title. Why would you be worrying about a wide receiver on a roster that isn't in the conference or isn't in the college football playoff, didn't even make the conference championship? Why is that even crossing your mind? And more importantly, why are you taking time out of your day at why this do you point care? to talk bad about him? Why? Makes no sense. There's no need for it. There's no need to hate on these kids, man. Absolutely no need. Well, and the reason I wanted to talk, because I saw this I, the past couple of days, I've seen multiple tweets and people say stuff about him, and that kind of brought it up. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? This is the topic for right now, because today is the open of the transfer portal. Lord, did it open. I mean, Boy, did I think there were 722 players that entered the transfer portal today, and then 63 of them were quarterbacks. Ugh, None from Georgia just Golly. yet. But my the reason I thought it was worthy of bringing up again right now was your team is going to keep people from transferring right the second because you're in the national championship hunt. So you're not going to see guys at Georgia, and I think Kirby Smart's doing a ton um, to kind of keep that from being a distraction and something that happens right now, and I think he might – you know be willing to help players after the playoff run and everything that goes through to help them find a destination if they feel like it's best for them. Because your head coach, Kirby Smart, understands some of these players have to do what's best for them. Absolutely. Because at the same time, you're going to have players leave your school. I promise you, Kirby Smart. I know last year he didn't take anybody out of the transfer portal. This year he's taking people out of the transfer uh, portal. I mean, he's, he's definitely already talking to kids as well. So, like, I mean, Rob yeah. Rod Thomas already got an offer from Georgia. So yeah. Mississippi State uh, wide receiver that we played, and he he had a decent game against Georgia, and he's played well all year. He's already got an offer from Georgia as of today. It's just a new era of college football. It's how things are going to be. Kids are going to move all around. You know, you had it's like players go to Florida last year. You had players go to Alabama. You're going to have kids go all over the place, and probably the schools that Georgia fans are not too fond of. But at this point, like just just get used to it. You don't have to cheer for them. Nobody yeah. says you have to be a fan of theirs. I mean, yeah. if they're lined up, I mean, I'm not a fan of Jermaine Burton because he plays for Alabama. So obviously I'm rooting against Alabama, but I'm not rooting against a single player to not perform well. I, I don't care if you went to Florida either. Now I may not, I won't be a fan of yours if you go to those schools because they are huge rivals of Georgia, but I'm not going out of my way to talk bad about you because it. you guys are trying, like they are 18 to 22 year old kids trying to make their life-altering decisions. It's just weird for that to be even on your mind at this point. He's like, why is that even a thought in your head? And why is that so important to you that you need to put it on social media? Like, that's just weird behavior, in my opinion. I, I just think it. There's just no place it's, for it. There's no need for it. I'm a it. petty there's person. Just, 
<laughs> Jonathan laughs because he knows I'm a petty person. Yes, I, I am. Yes, but it, being petty and going after these kids, they are they're young adults. I won't call them kids; they're young adults. They, it doesn't make sense. You're a grown man. I mean, or or, or a grown woman out here. You know, just going after these kids that are or young adults that are trying to make decisions that impact the rest of their life. It doesn't impact the rest of your life. It impacts the rest of theirs. So if you think that Jermaine Burton made a decision that was a bad decision for him, that's on him. He's the one that has to live with it, not you. Why do you care? Clearly, it didn't impact Georgia's success this season. It didn't. Clearly not. So that's all you should be worried about. And are you done on your? Are you stepping yeah, off? Are you stepping I'm off? So, but I'm still kind of heated You're about good? it. All right, I was gonna let you let off some more fumes if you need to. Right. But I'm it right. sounds like we are good to go. We are wrapped up. That is gonna do it for King the Hill, and that is going to do it for this episode. Moving forward, we probably will shift back over to Wednesdays. We just know that you know SEC championship game, Heisman finalists, all that good stuff. We wanted to get this content out to you guys as quickly as possible. Didn't want you guys to have to wait till Wednesday, but next week we'll probably shift back over it'll to Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. and that'll be the case until we get up to the college football playoff game. But we'll let you know. Go follow us on Twitter to get those update updates and stuff like that. Also, like, subscribe, share with your friends and family. Do all that good stuff to help us out, reach more people to continue to grow. Grow all the way out to like Bakersfield, like Tony in California. That's what we're trying to shoot for. Shouts to our guy. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel, Tony, if you haven't already. Yep. Do all that good stuff for us. It helps us out. We love seeing you guys in the live comments, as always. And Stoddard, you get to close us out. As always, keep it classy in the classic city. Go dogs. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Classic City Sports. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Classic City Sports crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at The Stodfather, to Jonathan at Dr. Underscore J. Will, and make sure to follow at Classic City Pod for show updates. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime... Two words, which express the sentiments of the entire Bulldog Nation.